<laughs> I'm glad you didn't call your dog Ruby. Oh, I know. I meet a lot of Rubies. I do, and they're all. You shout best. that in a North London playground, you get <laughs> trampled in the rush. <laughs> I think you were responsible. There's a whole. Oh, there, yeah, we were. The year after was it was the top girl's name. Sorry about that. Isn't. <laughs> This week on Walking the Dog, I went for a stroll with Kaiser Chiefs frontman Ricky Wilson. Ricky doesn't live too far from me in North London, so he turned up at my house, 15 minutes early may I say, most punctual rock star ever, with his absolutely huge and totally fabulous Labradoodle Readers. Ricky's brilliant company for a dog walk, he'll chat about everything, so we did, from his childhood in Leeds to his success with Kaiser Chiefs and the ingenious songwriting formula they came up with to ensure success. We also discussed his crossover into TV, which included a triumphant stint on The Voice, and the thing that seems to make him happiest, his relationship with his partner Grace. Okay, and you read us. Ricky also does a podcast with the legendary Tony Blackburn. It's called Ricky and Tony Pop Detectives, and I thoroughly recommend you give it a listen. They explore all sorts of pop-related urban myths, and it's a total joy, so do check it out. I loved my walk with Ricky and Readus, and I hope you do too. Let's hear from the man himself. Here's Ricky and Readus. Ricky, have you got poo bags? I have. Okay, we've got the poo bags. We've got our rock legend. And we've got Readus. Come on. Good boy. Right, should we go up and then down? Yeah. And then through that playing field that no one seems to know about. I go to that playing field I, all the time, It was Ricky. really good during lockdown when you weren't supposed to let them off the leash. Although there were lots of youths having um, get-togethers with cider. And oh, I found myself amazing. turning into the sort of Coronation Street old bag. <laughs> well, do you know there's meant to be a pandemic? Yeah, but you, I don't mind. Youth can do whatever they want as long as they tidy up. <laughs> but I, I, Is know. that your next album? Yeah, well, it's a good title. Very <laughs> Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> it's very kind um, of you. So, yeah, walking the dog. Well, I should say, mm -hmm. you might have got the clue already by the mention of Kaiser Chiefs, mm -hmm. but I'm with uh, someone very exciting. Yeah. I've been wanting to do this boy for a while, and I finally got him. I'm with Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs. And this is a bit of a first, because he came to my house. I did. Sorry about that. Because... <laughs> Well, we're sort of in the same kind of manner in North London, aren't we? Yeah, but you know, not only that, there's been lockdown and, uh, and the opportunity to do something face-to-face -face is one thing, but to be able to go there, you know, and it's round the corner and you can take your dog is amazing. Well, you've got your dog. Yes. Who, can you introduce us to your dog? Uh, this is Redus. He's four and a half years old. He's a Labradoodle. Um, but looks more like a poodle. He's huge. He's quite big and he's got a bit fat. He was just <laughs> staying at Vincent Lorraine's. That's uh, his mother and father-in-law. And uh, that's toast for breakfast when he's there. So he's got quite big. Well, I won't, I'm carrying Raymond, but I promise this won't be the whole way. Well, I'm going to let it's, him off the lead in a moment. Yes, and I will do the same to Raymond because Raymond tends to do a lot of sniffing. Oh, he's only got into sniffing recently. Oh, really? Mm. And he's only just learned to cock his leg. Oh, really? I know, we're all very proud of him. I don't want to shame you, Ricky, but Raymond did that very early on. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's... Well, I think he just, because his legs are so long, he just, <laughs> I don't think he thought he needed to. I know, Ray, it's not such a stretch for Raymond. <laughs> so have you, how long have you been in uh, North London? We'll keep it vague, because uh, I don't like a burglar's guide. Well, no, that's fine. I've been in North London 
well, I lived in Primrose Hill for years. Yeah. Which was amazing. And I felt like I was in a Disney film. And uh, then all the celebrities started disappearing. <laughs> so I thought, where are they all going? And it turns out they're all going to Crouch End. <laughs> so I just followed them. Because um, that's what we do. Oh, there he is. Look, he's cocking his leg. <gasps> Very high. Too high, to be honest, readers. That was like Stephen Merchant oh. cocking his leg. <laughs> no. Well done, readers. I've probably been, I've been in London probably about 12 years. Yeah. And in North London, here, around here, about six, I reckon. But you're, this isn't where you're from originally, obviously. No, I'm from Leeds. Yeah. The London of the North. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to pick him up till we get there, because this will just go on all day. Race. Really? Does he mark everything? He marks everything. It's small man syndrome. Oh, well, he thinks he's a small man, Reedus. <laughs> Reedus is having a nice sniff of Ray's wee yeah. there. Do you think they'll get on, Ricky? Of course. He gets on with everybody. Well, there might be a, a no, challenge. No. Come on. Were you um, what I call a dog family? Uh, we had a dog, yes. Um, Tish. Tish was an Alsatian cross with something else and lived quite, to quite old, probably about 15. And uh, had a cat as well. I'm not really a cat person. You're not? No, I liked ours, but I think that's the case with, with most things, isn't it? You, you kind of, you do make a distinction very early on whether you're a cat or a dog person. And What do you think the difference is? Uh, I mean, uh, apart from the obvious. I don't know. I think that, I don't know, to be honest. I haven't really thought about it. I just think you know. Thank you. Crossed. I just think you... Uh, you just get a sense for it, you know. Is that I, right? Like, I think yeah. dogs are more like your best friend, and cats are like those mates that you see occasionally. Mm. But you wouldn't call a cat if you had a trauma. Well, maybe I'm more like a cat then. <laughs> so that's why I like. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm a bad friend. I don't have many, but I. That's, <laughs> but uh, the ones I do have will testify to the fact that I'm not a contactor. Are you not? No. What do you mean by bad friend? What just well, you? Just, you know, I'm not that proactive. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I like people, but <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's lockdown's been really good for me because it's been a little bit like the way I'd like my life to be. Does your other half? Does she tend to take care of the friendship? Yeah, she's got lots, lots and lots of friends and very proactive, which yeah. is it's, it's 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 really good. I think that. You just, oh, there's a car coming. Come on, Ray. There's a, um, you know, like. Well, it's a taxi. I Who'd know. get a taxi to the park? I would. To school, maybe. Readers, be careful now. Um, you see, Ricky, that's how I expected you to turn off in a black cab or a limo. Did you? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a miser, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I'm a miser chief. Um, we, no, I, I, I don't really like spending money, um, which is, which is good. I don't even like to know how much money I've got. My mortgage advisor ticked me off the other day because he said that I should really know how much money I have and where it is. Yeah. And then, because he asked me about paying the deposit on the new house, and I said, I, I, I don't know, Brian. <laughs> and he goes, you really should know <laughs> these things. Do you know, I was asked to do a, an article for, I think it might have been The Times, recently about, like, money. Hmm. And I read the questions and I thought, who would do this? What sort of questions was like, it? Like, how much do you earn? What do you spend your money on? Have you got any investments? Stuff like that. And I thought, 
I mean, I like doing interviews when I've got something to sell, but not that much. Are you sure it wasn't uh, the tax people pending? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you do get like one of those emails you get from Apple saying you owe them money, and then you realise it's spelt wrong. What's he doing? I mean, Raymond! I think a, a, a dog with a name beginning with R is a good thing. Do you think so? Mm. You know, uh, guide dogs, they have to begin with a hard-sounding letter, like a K. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I, call him, Ricky. I think he might listen to a male voice. <coughs> oh, well, Grace always tells me off for doing my reader's voice when he's in trouble. What's the reader's voice when he's in trouble? Well, I don't want to do it because he's not in trouble. Oh, OK. Well, we'll have to wait. Okay. But I'll point it out. You'll know when you hear it. <laughs> it's the same as my dad's voice when I was in trouble. Look at the readers, are just looking at Raymond like, come on, what are we doing? Do you have readers on the bed? Of course we do. But he's kind of, there's been a tipping point recently. He's getting grown up mm. and he does take himself off to bed at, at some point. He'll like just oh, skull he? cough and he goes to his bed, which is under, you know, as you go in under the stairs, yeah. he's got bed under there and he just goes off to there. Ricky, cool, Ray. Do you see Raymond or Ray? Yeah, either is fine. Whatever. Raymond! <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> um, uh, so, um... What's that dog? Um, I don't know. He's from Yorkshire Terrier well, thing. You should know Yorkshire. Well, it doesn't mean I know everything about Yorkshire. <laughs> That's why I left. They drummed me out. <laughs> I've done so many interviews this week, this week with... Uh, did World's BBC World Service this morning, yeah. talk sport, all about Leeds going into the Premiership. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm excited for them, and it's good for us, because whenever something good happens with Leeds, we play a gig. But I, and I am a fan in the yeah. respect that I'm from there and yeah. the, the football team, but the rest of the band are mad for it. Oh, really? And I've done so many interviews with... <laughs> um, I'll go on a radio show, and it'll be maybe in Japan or something, and they'll say, so you're a big fan of Leeds United, and I'm like, oh, read us! Read us, here. And they'll say, so we've got a quiz for you, a Leeds United quiz, and then we're going to play a record, and during the record I go, just give me eight out of ten of the answers, and we'll all look better for it. And then that's what I usually do. And then the questions are like, in 1978, who was the captain for the... And I, but it, I, do, I have actually learned quite a lot about Leeds United, and I am very <laughs> pleased they've gone up, but I don't know that much about it. Was your dad into football when you were No, up? that's the thing. He's only got into it since he retired, really. So tell me a bit about your family life and your parents. Yeah. Your dad was a... T he worked for the BBC. He did work for the BBC. Outside broadcast producer. Yeah. He did that for years and years. Uh, he was... He directed It's a Knockout. Uh, that's where he met my mum, who was the score girl on It's a Knockout. Really? Yeah. So, so she was probably quite glam, was she? Uh, she was a, a model, but not tall enough. Oh. She was only five foot something, small. But she, uh, she wasn't tall enough to be. So she was a, she was a schoolgirl, and it's a knockout. But the, the weirdest thing is because I don't, I don't really talk about that that much. Yeah. Because I don't, because you talk about your parents, and in the early years when I got very famous, people would like knock on the door and ask for an oh. interview. So, but it, the weird thing is now it's fine. But the, uh, I'd read things like that. So that's why he's famous. He, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So, so how, how would a man directing it to knockout be able to rig the charts so that I could, like, it's not like he could ring up Top of the Pops and say, remember me, it's Jeff, worked there 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> and, and you had a favour. Do you think there's also a bit of a lazy assumption about people that go into music that 
Do you know what I mean? They've got to have a sort of oasis type backstory. Oh, the, and, and yours was presumably, you know, a sort of relatively middle class, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, like the mu music's the only way out. Yeah. Well, it was. I mean, there was only one way out when I was a kid, but we lived in a cul-de-sac, so it was more <laughs> literal. Um, but uh, uh, no, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's changed now because there's some right poshos, aren't there? That's true. You know, there's been a, like a research, like a, recently, it's proper poshos and yeah. drama school kind of. Yeah, Radiohead on. and Coldplay. I think and Oasis is probably one of the last ones, maybe the Arctic Monkeys. But even like, like Alex's dad was in bands and stuff, so. And did you, was your family, were you quite a noisy extrovert no, family? No. Uh, not really. My brother's louder than me. Is he? Yeah, but, um, oh, readers, you've done so many today. It's like it's, it's like it's, sorry about this, it's so embarrassing. I Are thought you? on the way here, I thought, right, that's it, you're cleared out. <laughs> Redis is doing a poo. Yeah. You don't, we don't have to comment on it, do we? Like, well, texture and... This is an important part of dog ownership. I know, but... Uh, see how swift that was? He was quick, wasn't he, for a big lad? I was talking about me with the bag. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was impressive for a big unit. No copy of the sun. Um, <laughs> And were, were you and your bro close? Or did you fight? Uh, I mean, all brothers do a bit, don't they? No, no, not really. No, I mean, this is weird because you might listen to this, but not particularly <laughs> close. Yeah. But then not particularly the same. So, mm. you know, I was just a bit quieter. And this isn't like a famous person saying, I was actually quite shy as a child. <laughs> it's like, no, I just kind of enjoyed watching what was going on. And as a second child as well, you get the, the benefit of seeing the older one do everything wrong and see what it takes to, to, to not get things wrong. So yeah. you kind of just sit and watch and then and then learn from their mistakes, which is, well, thanks, James. <laughs> were you popular at school, Ricky? What sort of gang were you in? Uh, the same gang I am now, just me and Craig, who's my best friend from school. Yeah. And my best friend now, I think it was pretty much just me and him since the age of, since... Well, I broke my arm and he was put in charge of sitting with me at lunchtime in the classroom. And we've been friends ever since. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. I love that. He's now a, a seaweed harvester. Yes, and are you uh, yeah. involved in his business in some I, way? Yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I thought it was the future. And it still <laughs> could be. I read something um, and it was a teacher sort of slightly slamming you when you were showing off or something. Oh, yeah. And, and it was something about... Um, Enough of the cabaret, Mr Wilson. Oh. No, that, that's the kind of... If I was a teacher, that's perfect, isn't it? Because it's kind of... It's not telling off, but it really puts you in a place where you... It embarrasses you. Those are the best insults. The most awful thing a parent can say to you is stop showing off. The humiliation. Oh, yeah. And then you, but then you realise you're showing off, <laughs> which is awful. Where you a show-off? No, not particularly. I, I don't know. You, it's not the question to ask a person, is it? You need to ask the people that were there. And you might get a different response. I think that with me personally, I am a show-off. But it takes a form of... Uh, it's more of a, It's not an instant karma kind of show-off. It's a, it's a long-term uh, revenge kind of show-off. Whereas <laughs> I think to myself, like if my brother, who's excellent at singing, I thought probably at the time, I'll show you. Yeah. And then 20 years later, yeah. I, uh, I showed him. 
But I don't think it's. We'll go. We'll go, we'll go this way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think that I because I'm incredibly petty and uh, hold grudges. <laughs> once, once uh, some kids must have been kids got hold of my number and were ringing me all the time. This is when you'd become famous. Yeah, and uh, ringing me in like in the middle of the night and. Once they rang me at a party and it was the final straw because they're saying, you know, just singing songs down the phone and I didn't want to change my number. Yeah. Um, but they hadn't withheld the number that time from, mobile, from his mobile phone. So I stored it in my phone, waited a couple of weeks. Um, it was actually a landline. Right, this right. Is, I'm getting to get through the story, it's been a long time. And then I rang the phone and what I assumed was his mum answered. And I said, uh, I can't leave my name, but I'd like to say I have some very, on straight, on very strong authority that your son uh, is into drugs. <laughs> and I think you should probably uh, search his bedroom. <gasps> and I said, thank you. And I put the phone down. Now, I don't know what happened there, uh, but she probably searched his room, probably found some porn, uh, embarrassment. <laughs> but that's the kind of petty grievance that I hold. So, yeah. But there is a weird thing with famous people because you meet two types, and they're the ones that are that you like, and then the ones that you that really believe it's real. Yes. And it makes them in some way different. Yeah. And I've met loads of those. But um, I heard uh, Daisy May Cooper talking the other day, and she was saying that about going to the Baftas. She was really honest, saying how flat it felt, and it oh. was all she ever dreamed of, but then it wasn't flat. I think that's just a thing of, you know, everything, ambition is a moving target. It's always out of reach. You could say it's like fog, or you could say it's like a rainbow. Yeah. Depending on which, uh, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. Which one are you? Fog. Yeah. It might sound like I'm really out of breath, but <laughs> I think that the, uh, there must be a, some weird humidity in these woods. Oh, you know what? It's so sweet. He's looking up at you really adoringly. It's because I've got the treats. <laughs> when Grace walks in, she never takes treats or a ball. Oh, that's your other and, half, isn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, he, has a, he has a miserable time. But with me, he's constantly at this bum bag. Yes, it's a bum bag. So when did you know you were musical? Yeah. I was really lucky to be at the perfect age for Britpop. So... 17. Oh my god, readers, not again. Readers. Um, good, good boy. So, perfect age for Britpop. Yeah. Uh, which was great for me because not being sporty, you, you could get away mm. with being attractive but not being attractive because that's what the Britpop, you know, like, I'm not dissing anyone, but you can see like Jarvis Cocker on TV and go, Hang on, yes. all the girls at school are swooning and writing his name on their bag. Yeah. But he doesn't look like, let's say, Peter Andre. Yeah. So it was kind of an exciting time to be a skinny <laughs> indie kid. Because suddenly it, it, it turned the nerds into the yeah. cool kids. Yes, that's true, actually. I'm getting a bit of love. That's all right. Readers is very jealous now. He usually gets all the attention. Oh, what's this, Ricky? Oh, these are the, the, the school, there's kids' school. Oh. It's, it's a school for kids, but they're in the woods. Oh, are they playing Let's Ruin the Podcast audio? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they set up a little toilet for them as well, which I think's weird. 
Really? A tent. Were you outdoorsy when you were a child? Yes, I was, because we lived in a wood. Not like these kids, but we, uh, our house was in some woods. So that was a great place to lose yourself in six foot of bracken and build swings and have the basically ideal childhood where all the time wanting to live in suburbia. Really? Oh God, you know, I see those, you know those when they build Barrett houses? Yes. And you think to yourself, I, I just thought, I imagined living like, you know, I was in the Goonies or something with like leaving your bikes outside and having loads of kids around. Yeah. But, um, we moved to the woods and I had to kind of make my own fun. My brother was quite a little bit older, not a lot two years but he was quite technical so he was always making radios and stuff like that okay come on it's only a little come bit on. further it's only a bit can further we go all the way to the playing field this bit? or is that too far what's that no because he hasn't seen it in ages okay look but then i'm i'm doing that thing which all people do you know when you what? kind of what's the word not anthrop anthropomorphize but you um you project your feelings onto the dogs so yeah. I'm there going, oh, he hasn't seen the playing field in ages. <laughs> but I don't think he's thinking about that. <laughs> I always think that about Ray. Right, I always think, oh, he doesn't like that. How do I know? Yeah. He might be having time of his life. So did you, did you ever have a sort of hairbrush into the mirror moment as a kid where you would sing and think, oh, that sounds good, that voice? No, no, I, don't. I think the singing came after the, the decision I wanted to be a pop star. Well, I think it actually, any, when I was any good, came when I got the job on The Voice because thought I have to actually be good now. <laughs> we have to sing every week with the other judges. But before that, if you're in a band, you can say, that's how I sing. Yeah. You don't have to be a good singer. You can just be the singer in the band, which is usually the person that's best at it. Um, but yeah, there was, a, there was a bit when I really wanted to just be in a band because I yeah. thought, this is, this is what all my heroes are doing. So yeah. that's what I want to do. And I'd kind of I'd go and see a lot of music. So I kind of wanted to do it for free. And I go to the festivals, and I thought it'd be nicer to be playing the festivals. So, but you did. You went to university, and you did a sort of. Did you do art and design? I did, yeah. So, was there a plan at some point to go down that route, or was that just I want to do something creative, and this seems like a good thing to do for three years? Uh, well, I was good at that, I suppose. You just do what you're good at. It's everything always felt like a like a. Everything always felt like a, a means to doing what I wanted to do. And then suddenly, when you start, because I got a job as a teacher then, and suddenly you start feeling the fact that what you're doing as a means to get to what you want to do is taking over from what you want to do. You kind of have to remember that you have to stay on focus. Yes. And I do really believe that you can make things happen by willing them on. Yeah. Um, uh, and Were you ambitious, I, Ricky? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm still too ambitious, over ambitious. That's why being a pop star is a really, uh, the worst thing about being a celebrity is you can't say how, how, how crap it is, right? <laughs> but the, the worst thing about being a pop star is it's just about um, relative values, how dashed your hopes can be. Because when you're making a record, you don't think, hope this goes to number three. You think, hope it goes to number one, hope it's our biggest celebrity record of all time. But when it goes to number three, you're kind of like, well, that was a waste of two years. <laughs> I have to do some talking to readers now, sorry. <laughs> readers. Danger. Concentrate. Readers, good boy. Okay, cross. Go on. When you achieve those heights, yeah. anything after that, unless it's always, no one can sustain it, you know. No. Even Elvis. It's well, like, you there have... is the argument which I tell myself a lot that if the graph of your band's success 
mm. is just going up. So at some point, it's going to be so devastating, the drop, yeah. that uh, it's going to ruin your life, even though you've had an amazing success. So yeah. if your graph is more like uh, going up and down all the time, much like ours has, it's actually far more fulfilling in the long run, because we've, we've had an extended journey. When I first met Brian, who I mentioned earlier, who was worried about my money, he said, uh, plan for it to last no longer than five years, and I thought, screw you, Brian. <laughs> and, uh, and it has, it's been 16 so far. And now I think we can do it for as long as we want. Well, I really loved your last album. Thank you. Um, was that slightly overwhelming though, the success of your, your initial success? Well, I had nothing to compare it to. So yeah, I think it probably was overwhelming, but in the same way that you kind of, it was, we were so busy. Mm. We didn't really notice and we were having a really good time. I look at photographs and I've never seen five more tired looking people. <laughs> we were just knackered. I'm still getting over it, but we were flying every day and we didn't really know how big it was because we were never in the right country that it was big in at the right time. Yeah, except um, when people would shout, I predict a riot every time you walk through the street, presumably. Well, we weren't even that recognisable because. I didn't really wear the stripy blazers and stuff. But, <laughs> but it, it, you know, and you're only as recognisable as you want to be. Do you think that's true? Definitely. Because it's, it's how you walk and hold yourself. And if you want to get recognised, you will. And if you don't want to get recognised, you won't. I'm glad you didn't call your dog Ruby. Oh, I know that I meet a lot of Rubies. Do, oh. Yeah, I do. And they're all. You shout that in a North London playground, you get <laughs> trampled in the rush. <laughs> I think you were responsible. There's a whole. Oh, there, yeah, we were. The year after was it was the top girl's name. Really? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Isn't <laughs> At that point, everyone wanted a piece of you. And I think people's uh, attitudes imperceptibly changed. Just that you walk into a room and there's a sense of, oh, he's here. Because you're the talent now. Yeah, but if you were, like... Hello. Sure. No, you can stroke the little one, though. <laughs> I'm joking, you can stroke any dog you want. Um, no, but I suppose that... You know, there is the old thing about if you're the most famous person there, mm. then... Oh, no, you don't, you don't have to... No, I don't want pity strokes for the big dog. <laughs> um, you, if you, if, there you go. See, you're happy now, aren't you, readers? <laughs> readers! Yeah, I never was really in places where I was the most famous person there because it was all going on. And I didn't... I just didn't really go out that much. We were never at parties or anything like that. And, the people I've been friends with were so close to me, they knew it was not really that real. Yeah. So it was all right. I don't have an expensive car or anything. I've got a 2004 RAV4, Toyota RAV4, which would cost us £1,400. <laughs> Did you ever watch other people in your industry behaving, obviously no names mentioned, but and think, oh, I don't want to be like that, or...? Um, well, it's kind of weird because, like, you see, you know, when other people behave in a just way, just in a kind of starry way. Yeah, or, no, you know. but it's kind of it's kind of cool, and you think, wow, yes. that looks exciting. Yes. But then you try it yourself, and it just makes you really anxious. Because, <laughs> like, if you've been to a party and been like annoying, mm. the next day you're just sitting in your flat, thinking to yourself, oh my god, is this going to be in the newspaper that I was a, a dick? And then it's not worth it. To come up with music like that, which is catchy mm -hmm. and sort of anthemic as well, but yeah. has credibility as a piece of music, you know. 
Mm. Um, well, there was a plan, and it seems fiendishly simple, mm. which was we knew that we could only get 20 minutes uh, before some bigger bands. But we knew we could get on before the bigger bands because we had. You a mean when you were gigging? Yeah, because yeah. we had a club and we could like pull in favours, so we could get on the bills. And but we only had twenty minutes, so if we made songs that were, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you've just like bottled lightning. But we thought right, so we have to make the people like the songs very quickly. Right now, it seems like why isn't everyone doing this? But, <laughs> but everyone wasn't doing that, and so we were like going, okay, how do you do it? Well, you have a, a one-line chorus that you repeat four times. That works. Yeah. Okay. Before you start the song, you say the name of the song, which is the chorus, very clearly. Don't mumble it. So if it's I predict riot, Nick said to me, Nick said, you've got to go, I predict a riot, and then we'll play the song. So we do that, say the name as much as possible, we're Kaiser Chiefs, this song's called I predict a riot. This song's called Oh My God. Right? And so people <laughs> knew it were, and it worked really well. Should um, we sit on this log? Yeah, shall we sit down we, for I used to sit on that log, but it's been taken. I love a log. We used to call it the dog log. Oh, let's sit down here, Edith. An old gang of ladies that I used to meet here every morning. Did you? One of the pet squirrel. <laughs> we found, well, she found it and then she nursed it back to health and it lived in a hood. <laughs> so, Ricky, I'm really fascinated. Why don't more people do that approach music in the way that you did, which is... Simple. <laughs> well, it's not, but it created brilliant music. It was combined, that simplicity, with the fact that when we arrived, no matter how hard we tried to be cool, we're enjoying ourselves too much to be cool. Mm. So, we'd arrive at somewhere like the enemy awards shows or the enemy awards or anything like that and mm. we'd just be having the time of our life while everyone else was desperately trying to appear like they were didn't want to be there but we were just like going this is exactly where we wanted to be for years and when you're I mean we didn't get signed to we were 26 and then when you put that in perspective that like George Harrison was 26 when the Beatles ended mm. we were just so relieved that it was gonna happen and it was happening and it happened really quickly yes it felt like mm. it suddenly felt like i couldn't remember a time when you hadn't been around and those songs hadn't been part of my life and they weren't just songs that you think oh do you know that song i mean they just became part of the sort of infrastructure of music in a sense you know we, were, we also had this kind of thing in our manifesto it wasn't that long it was and it changed a lot because at first it said don't wear jeans and then we started wearing jeans. Mm. But um, the, the song titles worked better when they, sound, when they can be used yeah. for a newspaper headline. And then you suddenly, because then, then they started to be Did used. Did you for, really? That's so clever. Like, even like Every Day I Love It Less and Less was used as a headline. Mm. And then you go, right, we've, we've broken through that thing that bands need to break through, which is into the consciousness rather than just having a catchy tune. The other thing is, you realise really quickly that it can disappear very quickly. I mean, really? we got that. We got that message. Like, we went to the Brits and we nominated for five and won three. Mm. And the next year we went and we were nominated for three and won none. Mm. And the next year we weren't invited. So <laughs> you suddenly realise, ah, right, we've got to do something about this. And you also realise the moment that Radio One decide they're not going to play a single is the moment, the moment they'll never play you again. And all these le lessons you learn just kind of make you survive. You used to get quite a lot of anxiety, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't realise. I mean, the thing is, it's weird because everyone has anxiety in, to a certain extent, but it, it just sometimes comes out sideways. Mm. But 
it's it's strange now that it's a bit like I'm not being down on anxiety, right? Or anyone says the habit because it, it can be really crippling, and some people can't leave the house. I mm. just it was mild, mm. but you know it's a bit like allergies. Now we're all allergic to something, but we weren't before. And I think before I was just like a bit nervy, what? but I think I constantly had stage fright for about four years. Did you? And it was it wasn't bad because also you got to think about all these things is. It's probably the reason it happened, because mm. it was it was part of what I am. So if I wasn't like that, it wouldn't have been the same, and if it wasn't the same, it wouldn't have happened. So you, it's not, it's not, and don't worry about it as much. And also, a doc said to me that anxiety is just adults not being able to process excitement right. It's I exactly. Like it. It's like it's the same. It's like you know they say like a worrying about a few DNA cells away from a banana. It's the same thing with anxiety. It's just excitement, just with not let out in the right way. Well, some people would say that feeling nausea or mm. even being sick or just feeling nerves before going onto a stage in front of you know an arena full of people is, normal. is a completely normal human yeah, yeah, response, yeah. and that there'd be something slightly sociopathic about you if you yeah. didn't feel it was odd. And that's why you get a lot of sociopathic rock stars. <laughs> but the. But you do. I always think they're incredible, the way they walk. But or even walking through a backstage area and you're walking past, like, the Kings of Leon dressing room. If you don't think to yourself, oh, my God, this is amazing, then you're weird. I saw James McAvoy in Sainsbury's the other day, and I nearly, like, I didn't know what to do with myself. It's weird, isn't it? And we saw Vigo Mortensen outside uh, uh, that, that bookshop that Snappy Snaps used to be in Crouch End. I get starstruck by anyone. Do it's you? ridiculous. I get excited. I think sometimes really minor celebrities really oh, yeah, no, him. Do you know really, what I mean? I love it when, I'm, when we've got a record coming out at the same time as the end of a series of Love Island. It's fantastic because they're on fucking everything. <laughs> and then you get, to, you get to meet them and you go, wow, they're so leathery. I was jealous when you did The Voice because... That was good. Tom Jones said something about you, didn't he, in his book? He, said, he did. What did he say? Nice bloke, no bullshit. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Maybe, 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 like quite like myself that a little bit because I thought oh, that's that's Tom Jones's take. I, I think that's a, I think that's good. I think that's one of the nicest things that could be said about somebody. No yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Because it's about being authentic and. I mean, it was in a world where we had to at times be less than authentic, but I think he saw the fact that I was good at that, but then put it to one side. You know, because we were doing TV at the end mm. of the day. It was. And did you, when you decided to do The Voice, again, that seems like, from what I'm learning about you, very consistent with your approach to work, which is right. Similarly, you were saying with I Predict Right, I know that's going to get some use. That's going to, it's like keeping a presence, isn't it? And was yeah. The Voice part of that in a way? Yeah, definitely, because I can't really do anything else apart from make records. And mm. they, they can make it so that you're not allowed to do that anymore mm. at the level you've been used to. You can always make records especially now, but there was an element, I mean, I've never said this to the band, because I always said that I did it for the band, but I really wanted to do it, because it, it was exciting, and it kind of like was, it's like, it was like going on a ride, where you're kind of like scared, but going, this could change my life for the worst, but I'll never know if I don't do it, and it was, mm. it was an incredible three years, because I was super famous, yeah. until literally the day after the last episode. <laughs> And it's, it's, the diff it's so weird, the difference between the paparazzi and everything like that, it's just, it's like an off and on switch. And if you're on The Voice, it's on. 
and the day after it was off. Mm. And it was amazing. That was hilarious. Like people going for my bins and stuff. And I loved it. Did you? Well, it was hilarious because all they would find out was that I'm not that good at recycling. Because you were really honest about it. You were saying look, I had to get my teeth done and lose weight because well, I was yeah. going on telly. Oh, no, you know something big is going to happen on TV with me if I start losing weight. It literally be like, because I can't be bothered otherwise. I, You're I, pretty slim though. You're well, slim I, I had a wedding coming up, but we cancelled it. Uh, we were supposed to get married in September, mm. but we spoke to them. We could only have thirty people there, and the clincher was no church bells. Are you going to have live music there? Uh, at the at the wedding? Yeah. No, no. a DJ. <laughs> I can't stand a band at a wedding. <laughs> why, why would you want to hire some people to make it all about them? Have you ever been asked to play a wedding? You know, when I say wedding, like an oligarch's wedding or, you know... Mm. Oh, I'd love to. Dubai. No, no, yeah. I'll tell you what, if there are any really rich people out there that want costumes, we will do anything behind <laughs> closed doors for cash. We love it. The band, well, the thing is, I don't enjoy it that much because it's always a bit awkward, but the band can just put their head down and play. Yeah. We get invited, we get, we do lots of corporate things and they love them. Yeah. But I, and I've started to enjoy it because it's, it's different and I don't see it as like a, you know, encroaching on my artistry as I used to because <laughs> I just thought this is me now I'm Mr Saturday Night but and were you happy with that yeah yeah I was I was more happy because I knew what I was doing because I spent most of my youth enjoying watching people do it on TV and sat in the audience because my mum would take me to the things my dad was doing because he did that Barrymore's Saturday Night show but you know we weren't TV kids we were very quiet and polite mm. My brother was interested in the mechanics of it, and I was interested in Michael Barrymore's silly walks. But I got to go to TV studios with my dad. Same yeah. thing. We'd go to multicolored swap shop. Right? Did you? Oh, we God. went to the roadshow. My dad, who was a bit of an intellectual because he did an arts program, he was reading Ulysses uh, when we watched Shawadi Wadi at the multicolored swap shop roadshow. <laughs> and I remember thinking, why can't you be like the other dads? The worst thing my dad ever did was. No, it's the worst thing, I don't know. The worst thing he ever did, I probably don't know about. But he, uh, he, he, he told me once that the, the feet at the end of the bill were him and my mum walking away. So I went to school and told someone this, and they rang him up and they said, can you come in and do a talk about it? And he had to, he had to say, no, it's not actually true. <laughs> I'm not terrible. A friend of mine at school, and what's brilliant is that because your dad worked in TV, obviously that was believable. Yeah. A friend of mine whose mum was the producer of Multicolored Swap Shop, right. um, he lied himself to everyone and said his mum was the woman at the beginning of Tales of the Unexpected. Really? You know, the naked woman yeah. who danced in flames. Wow. He carried it so far, he said, yeah, she doesn't like to talk about it, so don't mention, don't mention it to it. her. Clever. Because oh, she had to be naked. It's funny because I'm writing children's books now and I know that all celebrities eventually, you? if you leave enough, it's like monkeys and typewriters, enough celebrities and typewriters and they'll write a children's book. But I've, I've written a few and one of, them's, one of them's being picked up, which is nice. But my first one I wrote was based on a true story, which was um, one Christmas, I went to the next, it, it, since I've been famous, went to the next door neighbours and helped uh, the little girl next door build a castle, a Cinderella castle thing mm. she'd been given. And then when she went back to school, they said, what have you done over the holidays? And she said, Ricky Wilson came round and helped me build my Christmas present. And they accused her of lying. <laughs> and then she had to do her homework again. And she said the same thing. And they said, no. And eventually her parents were called in and her parents said, yeah, that did happen. And I'd, I'd love to have been there. No, yeah, he did come round. But, um, but yeah, so my, one of my children's books is based on that. It's about a little boy who, 
amazing things keep happening to you and he keeps having to go in school and tell them. <laughs> and every time it gets more and more amazing and he keeps getting told off. And what, you know, I, that Jerry Maguire thing, you know, makes me want to be a better man. Yeah. Which people always say is kind of, I mean, it's schmaltzy, but it's, that's the key to a good relationship, is that you want to be your kind of best self with someone. Yeah. Do you think that's true of you guys? How do you think she brings out the best in you? Um, well, actually, lockdown's been really good. And it's been a really good test, because suddenly you realise that you don't really need anything else. And oh, I don't really need anything else. The dog, maybe, he's eating a stick. Um, yeah, the dog and Grace, and I'm happy, and I could live anywhere, mm. and, uh, and it makes you think you don't actually need that much more, and if we stop tomorrow, we could just go out to Menorca and live there, and eat bread every day, and get really fat. <laughs> I am going to get enormous. When there's not a threat of TV anymore, I'm going to get enormous. <laughs> Does that inspire you to, do you, do you diet and things? Yeah, I have to. I mean, I, I, Why, what, are you naturally? I think I'm naturally on the larger side, yeah. Were you when you were younger? Yeah. No, no, when I was a kid, because my brother was a bit bigger than me and I wanted to do whatever he didn't do. Mm. So if he had sausages, I wanted fish fingers. <laughs> and if he was a bit bigger than me, I wanted to be <laughs> tiny. So I'd, I'd make myself the opposite of whatever he did. So, but, but yeah, I'd, I'd be bigger. Then. I mean, I've, I've lost about nearly a stone and a half during lockdown, but I put on about a lot of that during lockdown. It was amazing. Toblerones. No one, why did no one I tell me about Toblerones before? They're incredible. No one told me. <laughs> well, <laughs> then you get the knock at the door. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Ricky. We're here to discuss Toblerones with you. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something about the presentation of the Toblerone, isn't oh, yeah. there? It's amazing. And it's so co cosmopolitan. <laughs> I know Ferrero Rocher likes to think itself as cosmopolitan, but they've got nothing on the Toblerone. Ferrero Rocher, Schmocher. Yeah, I know, that's so nouveau riche. It's so Toblerone is, 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 is you know, moneyed. <laughs> you know, it's like, I imagine they have them in stately homes. 20 pieces in chocolate orange. You know these pub quizzes we've got to do during lockdown? I, everyone was doing really crap questions, so I thought I'm going to make, I only had to do 10 questions. <laughs> and one of them, I, th I bought a chocolate orange and counted them as 20, which I think is a really odd number. It's not an odd number, but it's an odd, <laughs> you'd think there'd be like 24 or something. The best Jeez. bit of the chocolate orange is the oh. middle bit. Oh. <laughs> you know, the bit that's not part of the segment. It's like a stalk. The spine. Yeah, the spine. That's the spine called. of the orange. Oh, and yeah. what I like is they've given a nod to the real orange spine. Yeah. It's so faithful, the representation. Perfect packaging. It's like a still life. And as you're eating it, you can flatten out the, the orange bit on, the, on your sofa arm. It's true. What else have I been eating? Uh, I remember Daily Mail called me uh, the, the jowly popster. And the no portly popster and jowly frontman, and then I thought I've got to do something about that. And, and I, you didn't have I predict a diet. Oh, of course, all the time, oh. all the time. But you know, that made, it was that that song that bought me all the food. I <laughs> 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 kept really you in chocolate oranges. Yeah. When Nick left, yes. was there a set of the band? Was there a sense of okay, we you know to calm down everyone but is this going to be okay just because it was collaborative wasn't it and you all worked together. yeah but no because i think there was an element of because it was happening for a year in leaving yeah decided a year before so and he was giving us time to put our affairs in order which was gracious of him but during that time we went from being it's going to be over to being like encouraged yeah and i was a bit and then because I'd been offered the voice two years before. Mm. Had you? Yeah. 
and then Danny O'Donoghue did it. And then I, yes, thought, I, I thought to myself, well, now it's a good time as a bit of a turbo boost mm. and something that Nick would, would never have allowed. So it was kind of like, well, it's a new chapter at Start With A Bang. And that was pretty nerve wracking because not everyone in the band agreed. Mm. Rightly so. I mean, it was a gamble, but it paid off. Everything you've ever done is a gamble. What do you think when you see young people wanting to be musicians and if they said to you, right, I'm just going to focus on this and not do qualification, you know, I, this mm. is my dream. And I know it's difficult because I think that's why the voice was different because it was literally focusing on their instrument, wasn't it? And mm. it was focusing purely on their talent. But do you think that... Um, it's really tricky because I, I'd always be of the opinion if you want to do it, enough go for it mm. and if you want to do it enough it will happen before you give up mm. but most people give up because life gets in the way and I don't I think it's a kind of a madness that we had that we thought you know record companies are coming to see us and saying we were too old and we were 25 really yeah um, and we were damaged goods <laughs> look at Raymond a new friend he's quite attractive man actually He's going to pick anyone in the park. Have you trained oh him to God. do that? He's just sat with the mic. You've trained him. Oh, shall I go over? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my, my cute dog. <laughs> so she's walking over now <laughs> to the hot guy in the Come on, Raymond. Sorry. And hoodie combo. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, look, he won't leave you. Raymond, come here, please. Well-trained dog there. What a charming man. I but know. How can I put this? I don't think he's... I think he'd be more interested in you, Ricky. Oh, right, okay. I mean, I think everyone would be. Likes blondes, then, yeah. <laughs> he was charming. How oh, lovely. Oh, uh, come Ray, on, Ray. I think Ray wants to pick a Do you want me to carry Ray? No, oh, he's I'll fine. take he's him. Fine. You come here. I'm going to carry you. Come here. Ricky, I want to talk about your podcast because okay. I really love it. And do you want to talk people through it? Because it's okay. a brilliant idea. So I met Tony Blackburn when I was... Uh, well, I've met him a few times, but when I got to know him was when I was standing in for Dermot O'Leary quite a lot on Radio 2. Mm. And there's a point where you have to do a handover. When I'd go into Tony's studio in the morning and Saturday mornings, we had a show about the 60s, and talk to him about what was on the Dermot O'Leary show. Mm. And I enjoyed that intensely, because it was always really funny, and I'd always kind of... We'd always take the mickey out of each other, and he seemed to really enjoy it. And the first joke we ever made together was we were talking about Love Island. And, and he said, oh, they wouldn't have me on this year. And I said something about too many STDs. <laughs> and he said, no, not enough tattoos. And I thought, <laughs> we're going to get on really well. Yeah. And then when, like every celebrity is nowadays, approached to do a podcast, I thought to myself, how do you get out of this? And I said, I'll only do it if Tony Blackburn will do it with me. And I didn't think they were going to ask him. And they asked him and he said, yeah, definitely do it. So we were, we were stuck with each other, which is great. And then I came up with the idea, which is, is basically just based on the kind of podcast I like listening to, which is crime, true crime. I like the crime aspect. And then, because Tony's been in the pop world since it was invented, before it was invented. And, I, and I've been involved. So pop myths is something that everyone loves telling each other. You know, did Marilyn Manson have some ribs removed so he could pleasure himself easier? Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. So we, uh, we started doing about pop myths, and I liked the idea of dressing up, as did Tony, as two detectives. And 
it's not really about the pop myths. It's just about talking to Tony Blackburn about stuff he doesn't get to say on the radio. <laughs> and we actually have we have two guests on a show, and I'm dead into interested in them. Mm. And even more so, which is a great way to work because I do no research at all. And then so you're. You're asking questions because you're actually interested and not off a list of questions. Yeah. Which is quite good because they just pop in there. And then Tony will come in from a side angle and ask them if they've, you know, usually if they'd like Twiglets. Which he, <laughs> and he's desperate to be sponsored by Twiglets. But they haven't come knocking. Because he, he says they're really hard to get hold of and he can only get them from a petrol station, which is near his house. And no, not even near his house, he has to drive to it. Oh, well, it's... it's he gets crumbs all down his medallion. <laughs> You're a very um, versatile man, aren't you? Um, I've I thought about this a lot, which is that I do struggle with a lot of things doing it, but that's probably why I want to do it. Mm. And I have to really wind... My, even before the podcast, I've really wind myself up into doing it because I'm nervous. And then I do it. And I can't say I enjoy doing it, but I love having done it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's... Being in Kaiser's has afforded me the ability to, like, do anything I want to, really. As we were saying, that's quite unnatural, being on a stage in an arena, at the level that you've experienced. Yeah. Most people know, don't know what that's like. And, you know, there's that cliche about the rock star, I came home, you know, I was made love to however many thousand <laughs> people, I came home alone. But did, is that a process of adjustment or... Probably, no, not really. Probably used to be. You make excuses, especially when you start thinking about, like, you know when you say, well, I need to have a drink because of the adrenaline, mm. and then you realise years later, you don't, right? <laughs> and then stuff like that. And also half the fun of it was coming home afterwards. I mean, that was it? Of, it's like half the, once we were supporting you 2 in Amsterdam, and we were back at the pub in Leeds before closing, mm. and ha that was half the fun, to see if we could do it. And mm. then... Landlord said, Where have you been tonight? Supporting you two in Amsterdam. And that was better than supporting you two in Amsterdam, being able to say that to your local landlord. But then I think you as a band, there was always a slight tongue in cheek element yeah. to your music, and it always made me smile, do you know what I mean? Rather than want to go and hit someone. <laughs> and, but it, it was still, like I say, credible music and is credible music. So I wonder. It just seems like you guys had a different attitude, maybe, to some Yeah, I people. think that we, also, it's like, you know when... You can tell people how many books you've read without telling them how many books you've read. Same with politics, it's like, you know... is that brilliant? I get asked quite a lot about, like, who do you support? And I'm like, you don't really have to ask me, do you? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, do you, what do you want? Do you want me to just come out what do you and think? jump to wear a rosette? Because I'm not gonna, because, like, literally half my... Yeah. Supporters don't agree with me. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, so and I don't, and that's not, I'm not one for. And yeah. then you get into an interesting debate about if you have a profile, you should be using it for good. Mm. But a lot of the time, and I do, I do agree with that. But a lot of the time, you think to yourself, um, it, it would be just annoying. Do you drink still? Do you, uh, are you I, teetotal or do you have the odd drink? Well, this is really, a weird really thing. A no, well, I, I haven't drunk in. Uh, nearly eight months. Oh, really? Um, but I will drink again. Mm. It's not like a... But because I, I want to. And the reason I haven't drunk for eight months is because I don't want to be one of those people that can never do it. 
and you know it gets close at times to being one of those people and you don't I don't want to live there. What do you mean? Long. What one Just of Just one of those people that li can't do it again and can't be surrounded by people that do and yeah and ha everyone's aware of that and it's a problem and I think I it's, it's 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 an odd thing that my embarrassment would stop me from doing that. Do you think was it though for you? I'd say nine out of ten people in bands it's a problem for, easily, because it's so it's part of it. Yeah. And widely encouraged and wildly as well, uh, and they, you know, it's, it's fun, but you don't want to lose that. I don't. Know, it's it's a really odd one, and I've thought about it a lot, mm. and. Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite good lockdown without that, and it does make me worry about people, because I can really I can see it happening to me, and I can see it happening to other people. Just when it becomes, I know, cause well, it's I, just it's like anything can become a habit. Yeah. Anything, and it's 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 really crap when it becomes a habit because it stops being something that you enjoy. What do you think of therapy? I'm always interested in people's uh, views on it. I've tried everything, uh, but <laughs> and and the thing that. It's that thing nowadays when you hear people talking and you're just like going, oh God, therapy. Stop using what you've heard. Can't you just change it and say it, and say it out of your mouth in a way that like, doesn't sound like you've been to therapy as much? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a good thing for lots of people. I couldn't get my head around how much it costs. So that's what I didn't like. And if you're sitting there thinking to yourself about how much money it's costing, you're not in the right place. You know? Yeah, yeah, I can uh, see that. So, it's not. Some people really enjoy. It. I know people that love it, look forward to it. I thought of it as like, like a, a big interview. Not that I'm, <laughs> I didn't think about this, you know. But you know, like, but you know what I mean. I, th I thought about it as like, sort of like a double maths. Really? Yeah. How are you on talking about emotions? Uh, rubbish. Are you? Hmm. But then. As long as I'm okay with that, then... Do you cry, though? Oh, God, yeah. Do you? Oh, man, big fish. I saw that the other day, and I, was, I couldn't stop. And I was generally upset, like, shaking. You oh. seem very, um, quite a calm person. I can't imagine you getting angry at that. No, I don't get angry. That is, that Do you is, not? No, that's been one of my main problems throughout my whole life. Never get angry. Why is it a problem? Because I bottle it up, and, you know, I talked about being petty. It goes back to that. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I just learnt from a very early age it got nothing done and there are better ways around it, but that makes you manipulative and that makes you not a nice person. It has to come out, so sometimes you just have to rely on passive aggression. I do that sometimes yeah. without meaning to. Yeah. You well, just think, well... Passive aggression is a bit like the offside rule. I don't really understand it or when <laughs> I'm doing it. You know, it's like... Like, yeah. It's a weird thing. Here's my sexist joke. I bet a woman knows how to explain that, though. <laughs> um, but you, you're, are you a sulker? Oh, yeah, that, that's another problem. <laughs> the thing is, all these things have come out in lockdown, but it's really good, because lockdown's been great for that, because you suddenly realise we can live through anything being great. It's fantastic, but sulking. Like, I'm not over things for days, um, whereas she is over things very quickly. But, uh, yes, yeah, sulker, grudges, <laughs> all of that jazz. <laughs> I enjoy, but I think I enjoy it. I think I, I'm a wallower rather than a. But sulker. then you're probably very well suited for that reason because it's that yin and yang thing, isn't it? Where you can't have two sulkers. No. 
Uh, it's good. But it's you can't have, but equally, I think if you've got two layers all on the table, that's all you're doing. Hmm. Read us. Let's cross here. You're very punctual, aren't you? Because I noticed you were like mm. super early in. Yeah. Is that a big thing for you, punctuality? Yes, definitely. I love it. So here we go. Here's a, I want a Ricky <laughs> situation. Yeah. If someone was kept you waiting, let's say I'd been 15 minutes late today. I wouldn't have minded. No, but let's say you had to be somewhere exactly an hour later and you were a bit pissed off with me. Yeah. Would you not have said anything? Would you have said, oh, no, I wish no, you could be no, on I time? Wouldn't, I, no, I, no, I wouldn't have said that. I might have said I have to leave at a certain time. Yeah. But no, because it's not, it's not your problem. It's my problem for being petty. Uh, <laughs> and what's the word that everyone band calls me? Um, uh, I can't remember. But it's, yeah, I, I, I do uh, get wound up by things like that. Well, we have a band member called Peanut who's always late. Mm. And in many ways, I'm jealous of him because it doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't actually matter. It's just time, and you know, learn to live with that. I don't understand why he can't be on time, but he can't. I'm usually late. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Well, Grace is usually late. But Grace think, is in fashion, though. Uh, yeah. I, you know, this is. But I think the difficulty I find with it is that you you're always making excuses and you feel your status is lowered. When I say status, I just mean you're not arriving as equals because you're starting on an apologetic front. Okay, well, don't be late then. <laughs> I think they're a bit excited, Ricky. The baseball cap didn't work. The baseball cap is the worst disguise in the world. Sometimes if you wear a baseball cap and sunglasses, you just look like, you know, like George Michael always wore a disguise yes. to the point where you saw someone in baseball class and sunglasses, you'd say, oh, look, it's George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> And then nine out of ten times it would be. But like, especially around here. Oh, poor, yeah, well, this was George's man. Yeah, yeah, it was. Stomping ground. Yeah. Simon Pegg told me to move to Crouch End. And as soon as I did, he moved out. Yeah, Simon <laughs> Pegg was North London, wasn't yeah. he? I wonder why people come here. I suppose it just feels... Well, I came here because I wanted a garden. And that was it. And you yeah. can't afford a garden in Primrose Hill. Yeah. I did love living in Primrose Hill, though. I used to, like... Straight out of my door every morning, feeling like I was—I'd really made it. I left because a, I wanted a garden, and b, one day I had to—I needed pine nuts for a recipe, <laughs> and they were eight pounds. Eight pounds. I called the police. <laughs> so you've had so Kaiser Chief stuff has had to go, like your live stuff's had to go on hold. Is it? Yeah, are fine. you going to be touring next year though? You're going to be doing gigs next year? Yeah, I mean we've shifted most of it from this year to next year. Yeah. And I wanted next year off to concentrate on my children's books. But uh, I haven't got next year off now, but then you just realise... That's so exciting for you. When are they coming out then? I don't know. I mean, I'm still... It's with two publishers at the moment. Mm. One of them says... Well, no one makes decisions, do they? <laughs> and, and it's weird. It's so odd, because when I... About a month ago, I was really excited, and now it's been a month and I'm not excited anymore, and that's disappointing, because I really enjoyed that excitement period. I felt like I was getting signed again. Um, really? But yeah. then you're quite... I think... Forgive the, this isn't therapy speak, because it's more, but you're quite type A, I think. Like, you like things done. Turn up on time, I want it done. Well, no, yeah, well, I'd like an answer, yeah. yes or no. I don't want to have to wait for a, a no or a yes. Mm. I prefer it to be, a, like, an answer today than, a, a, than continuous maybes. Yeah. Because then I can move on. Reedus is a good name. So where's Reedus from again? Well, this is the thing, it was going to be either, there's two actors that Grace likes, Tom Hardy, mm. Or Norman Reedus, 
and Norman Reedus is in The Walking Dead. Yeah. And then it was either call him Tom Hardy, which would mean he'd be either Tom or Hardy. And I didn't want to shout Hardy in the park. So it was called Norman Reedus for the first kind of day. And then it just shortened it to Reedus. Uh, he's a, quite a hunky man with a gravelly voice. Oh, but you know, it just suits him so well. Uh, it's quite regal. So, he yeah. is very regal. Well, now we've shaved him. Cause sometimes he's a big fluff ball, but we spent... God, if you, is there any money that you think you're going to save by doing your own dog grooming? Don't. No. I, try, I mean, can you imagine it, with Ray, it was it a disaster. It took four hours. And he was a big fluffy bum, we shaved him and then we couldn't get it to work so we had to take everything off. And he was like a whippet. And that's a two person job, yeah. isn't it? Um, um, so he looks good now because it's going back. Are your, fo- your folks are still with us? Yes, they are. They, live, uh, they must have been so proud of you, Ricky. God, imagine. Uh, yeah, def- definitely. I think mostly because like, I set my mind to it. And also I did things before because I, you know, I became a teacher because I thought, I was just trying to prolong the wait until getting the rock star career on them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was a teacher, but I had rock star them to fall back on. But, mm. <laughs> uh, but no, I think, I think, I think with anything, if you have kids, I think whatever they want to do, if they set, if they, if they whatever they want to be, I think if, if they, you've got to support it somewhat, you know, they were supportive. If you ever had kids, would you? What would you say if they wanted? I wouldn't to want them to be famous. Would you not? Why not? Because fame is just the uh, the detritus of doing something that lots of people like. And I suppose if you're doing something that's aimed at lots of people, then it's inevitable. I mean, like, it's weird because you know the coolest thing we've ever done has been play to massive amounts of people, no matter who they are, because it's just mm. like, it's just a, it's what we wanted. We didn't want to be in a, a band with a small following, because that wasn't in any way aspirational around the time we were getting into bands. Mm. And I don't think it really is even for the people that say it is. So it's really weird to be labeled, not that we have been really, um, selling out, because who are you selling out to? If anything, you're using other people to get what you want mm. so you're buying in yeah so it's not like a it was never a problem for us to be massively popular because it was always pretty much it, it it proved we'd done it right but also the whole concept of selling out to me is a bit redundant because selling out of what because yeah yeah i felt with kaiser chiefs why i loved and love you is because i felt you never you were opting out of that whole game because it was funny, your music. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It was, you were never serious about... Yeah, you I weren't mean, reluctant rock stars, but, or aren't reluctant rock stars, but I think there was that sense of, this is all a bit of a joke, isn't it? Let's go yeah. for it. You know? And also, yeah, the, the, you're right about selling out's become redundant, because by its very nature, it means that you're giving something of yourself for, let's say, financial gain, mm. but giving it away for, for someone else to to use for yeah. their gain yeah. but it's like it was such a mutual beneficial thing for anything we did it was helping us so it's not really selling out and so that implies that you're taking away from it but everything we did added to it so I was offered an advert for chips right oven chips right and it was a glorious amount of money right? more than the voice would have paid me for another three series and I and at the time I thought well I really want the money 
but this actually might prevent me from doing things I'd really like to do in the future. Mm. So I didn't do it. And that would have been selling out because it wouldn't have been beneficial. So I think that selling out's a weird, weird thing because it, it kind of, to me, all that I would have got was money. You created music and still create music, which is brilliant and people love it. And that's really mm. what it's about. We recorded a version of We Are The Champions for oh, Leeds yeah. United yesterday over Zoom. And then I sang it and I was going, well, it's Freddie Mercury, but I can sing it. I've got the range. And uh, I did it. And then I was going, it could be anyone in musical theatre singing that. <laughs> no one could tell that to me. But if you listen to Chris Martin, you go, that's Chris Martin. That's what, that's, all, that's what sold them. You know, Freddie Mercury is always a tough... I mean, that was a range, wasn't it? He yeah. Had. I'm actually pretty good at singing, though. Your voice is beautiful, though. Well, because uh, I don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. Well, I'm recognising it. I've, Thank I you. I've commented on it several times. All right. Well, um, I, did, I did actually try really hard when I got the voice job. <laughs> really hard. I suddenly thought to myself, I have to really pick this up. And it worked. I had lessons and everything. Did you? Yeah. And then uh, it's got a lot better. I gave myself such a headache doing where I had the champions yesterday. <laughs> I was seeing spots. Like, you know when, you know when, like, it was like a, tra tra a trauma. I thought, no wonder they, like, in the old days they were lucky because, like, they had to, like, travel to the next place and there wasn't, like, EasyJet or anything like that. And nowadays we can do, like, four gigs a weekend, but they, like, did two a week. But they couldn't have done more because they must have been exhausted. And also you're a proper band, so you can't do... Also, wouldn't you be worried about turning up at a venue and saying, have you got any auto-tune? So oh, right, it's the yeah. Kaiser tune. I have been around some bands that have, like, extra people under the stage really? holding notes. Really? Yeah. Well, I, if I could afford it, I'd do it. <laughs> no, it, it's true. If we could afford the crew to do that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. And just prance around all day. When we turned up at TV and they go, uh, you're miming, I'd be like, yes, <laughs> amazing, miming, fantastic. And then you'd hear things about people kind of self saying you've got a mime and being like, no, we're not miming. I'm like, you're an idiot. It's amazing. Yeah, but the shame when you get discovered. Most of the time now, and the rest of the band mind me saying this, it's always just vocal to track. Right. So they can turn up and just hire a load of instruments and play yeah. them. And I have to sing it. And then it's a right dos for them. <laughs> it's really hard for me. But that's the thing, the front man, he gets more of the attention which is true in your case, but then he's got, it kind of rests or falls on his, you know, you get the flack if it doesn't. Yeah, but we're a little, I mean, in our case, I'm not sure they want the attention. Readers, concentrate. They get just enough to get some money off at B&Q and stuff, but <laughs> not the kind of like, I think they'd hate the, the other side of it. Yeah, but the chips ads, come on. <laughs> we did, the thing is, that happened at the same time that we got an offer to do an ad for Yorkshire Tea. And uh, I didn't want to do it because I just think to myself, I don't want to do an advert. But then the rest of them really wanted to do it, so I said, oh, let's do it then. And then the amount we got paid for that was, it, I mean, hardly anything. But, and, all, and I couldn't tell them that I'd previously been offered this amount of money for chips, right? <laughs> also, I'd just done a thing about fitness for kids at school. Because on the back of the voice, I was doing everything. So I can't go from fitness for kids to chips. It's just that he's selling out. So we did the tea advert and... Uh, and I was like, oh my God, I've just done an advert. And the people at the chips company must be like scratching their heads. Going, How come we didn't want our money? Which was a lot. And believe me, I eat a lot more chips than I drink tea. Coming this way. See, when you let him off, he doesn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> it's like it, 
Weedus has just gone bounding to my front door. It's oh, like no. he owns the place. Can he go in? Of course he, he will can. go in. He's fine. Um, no, I'm getting you a treat, Reedus. Leave it. We're just outside my front door and I'm going to give Reedus a treat. Desperate to go in. All right, let's get you a treat. Ray is f Reedus. Oh, look, look, Straight to the bolt. Reedus. Look at their faces. God, I haven't seen... Right, we'll give him I haven't seen Ray's eyes opening all day. I know, it's food. He's got a real eating issue. Right, let's give you your treats. Readers, sit. Dad, Good you boy. give your readers his treat, and I'll give Ray readers. his. Good boy. Ray. Will Ray take it off to a yeah. special place? Does no. readers do that? No. He's Ray's... desperate to get it in there. Oh, I love him. Do you know oh. what he did the other day? Go on. Which I think is quite clever. He was in bed, and in the night, <laughs> I got up in the morning, and he was on the sofa, which he'd never done before. And then I went to his bed, and he'd been sick in his bed. So he'd oh. been sick in his bed, and then he'd gone and lay on the sofa. Yeah. So I cleaned up the sick and thought, oh, well, that's quite clever of me. He's obviously, oh, I don't want to sleep there. The next night, <laughs> sent him to bed, he went to bed. In the morning, he sat on the sofa, but he's not been sick. And he's suddenly gone, I went and sat on the sofa, nothing happened. <laughs> and it was much better. So he learned, just from, from <laughs> trial and error. Jesus. Is it, is, it's gone, it's gone, readers. Ricky, I love your dog, and I think you're fabulous. Thank you. I appreciate I it. It's a bit unprofessional too. to say this. I don't make for a good podcast, though, do I? <laughs> I didn't really give anything away. There's no kind of revelation. It's a bit boring. Sorry. I'm not going to win any awards. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.